Okay, so welcome to the iZombie Podcast. This is uh, Bob Dearden. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Uh, so you are the writer of this week's episode as well as uh, our season finale coming up. And no, no, I didn't write those episodes. I wrote uh, just 217 and 205 this year. Oh, really? Why were you billed as writing the season finale? I don't know. Where'd you see that? I saw that in a press release. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> well, shit. Maybe I. Uh, maybe I've been. Maybe you did doing things you did. Uh, that I should take credit for. Maybe it was Tyler know. Durden. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah. No. Um, Two eighteen was written by John Enbaum, mm-hmm. uh, who also worked on, or who also wrote two fifteen, and worked with um, Rob and the whole team on uh, Veronica Mars, and then um, was kind of the main guy behind Party Down. Yep. Yep. As I understand it, uh, and two nineteen, uh, I think was sort of a shared um, process between Rob, Diane, and our other co-executive producer, Kit Boss. Oh, that's crazy! I don't know why that press release said that. I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't be at all. Now, now I feel like uh, I'm selling you a false bill of goods here by not being the writer. Of, no, no, not at all. Because we we have you on for the week that uh, your episode uh, "Reflections of the Way Live Used to Be" uh, aired. All right, so, uh, that it's right. We already uh, broke down the episode and talked about it on our show, but uh, I just wanted to kind of talk to you about just, you know, the episode and uh, your job. I mean, maybe we should start off um, what your jo- what your job is like. What Can you can you kind of break down what, like uh, a normal day in, in the writer's room is like? Uh, sure, I can try. <laughs> um, it's, it's somewhat variable, but, um, you know, we start off the season – uh, collectively talking about the bigger picture, uh, season arcs mm-hmm. and, you know, Rob obviously and Diane have spent a lot of time in the, uh, off season, um, as they're doing now, figuring out, you know, some of the, the broader strokes, I guess. And then we get the whole group together in a sort of a conference room type setting at our office mm-hmm. and, um, and just sort of bad ideas around for what we think the, uh, you know, the more serialized arcs are going to be for all the main characters and then from there, we start thinking about, um, you know, the brains of the week and the cases of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And as that progression uh, goes on from episode to episode throughout the season, you sort of have an idea of um, who is going to be assigned uh, the script for a given episode. Um, and so when you're on script, obviously, that's a bit of a, a different process once you um, get past the kind of outline stage. Uh, where we're collectively discussing everything, you do sort of go off on an island and work on your own, and then you bring your work back to the group. And, um, you know, the producers kind of uh, break everything down and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and if you're not on script, you're sort of uh, just contributing to everybody else's episode. So um, throughout the season, just kind of whenever whenever we have time to, uh, to gather the team, which isn't um, – you know, isn't 100% of the day because obviously Rob and Diane have uh, production meetings they have to attend and post-production obligations and that sort of thing. But when we do gather, it's just um, it's a lot of sort of spitballing and trying out ideas and pitching different, uh, uh, you know, different cases, different ways to solve cases. That's that's one of the, I think, most difficult tasks with a, you know, with the procedural element. Um, I think, probably like a lot of fans, we in the writer's room get pretty excited to talk about, well, what's going to happen to Blaine and what's going to happen to Major? And, you know, those big arcs are always exciting to think about. It's the minutia of figuring out how does, you know, what is the clue for this week? Who who actually did it and who are our red herrings? Um, That gets harder and harder as you go on because there's only so many ways to skin that cat, it seems. But uh, thankfully, um, Rob and Diane are pretty uh, well seasoned idea factories so it seems like a gigantic uh jigsaw puzzle though to to construct from the beginning of the season to the end of the season because it's not like you're a regular procedural show where you're like well grissom is going to solve uh, the case of this serial killer this week and next week uh so and so is gonna you know it all sort of the cases all sort of relate back to the characters and uh and they uh (laughs) quote the pardon the phrase reflect back onto uh uh, right. uh, the way uh, the characters work. I really found it interesting this week how um, this type A personality, Bailey, reflected back onto Liv. But when I was really thinking about the episode, it blew my mind how this guy, Steve Walsh, is a reflection of Blaine. <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. 
I, I don't know if that necessarily uh, occurred to us in the inception, but as the uh, as the beats of the episode were sort of hashed out, um, you know, the the whole drug dealing, the intertwining of the of the Seattle underground drug culture as we've constructed it, um, all sort of came together. And, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that is fun about writing for the show, um, among many, mm-hmm. is that there are so many plates spinning at any given time. And I can't speak for the other um, lower level staff writers, but uh, for myself, I have a really hard time keeping track of all that. <laughs> um, I don't know how Rob and Diane do it, frankly, but they always seem to have the big picture in mind, even as we're discussing these finer points of each case. Uh, and it, and it is amazing to see, um, how many things intersect that you don't necessarily, like, that's not your intent when you're sitting in the room pitching ideas. You're just trying to think of like, oh, what's a cool, you know, what's a cool thing for this suspect to be, uh, to be doing, or what's the cool clue that's going to take Liv and Clive, uh, you know, to the conclusion of the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it all sort of intertwines is, um, uh, pretty impressive, and I can take no credit whatsoever for that. Do you sort of start with the brain and then say, "Okay, so how did this brain, this brain we want live to act like? How do we? How did this person get killed, and then build a case around that, or is it another um, different order?" It, it, it depends. I mean, some sometimes things just jump out at the group um, as as moments to sort of build around. Um, but generally speaking, I think the process has been, um, you know, talk about where we left off last week with all of our serialized arcs, where all the characters are at at this point. Um, and then try to think about what would be sort of a fun, uh, set of traits or a fun brain for Liv to be on given that context, given what's, um, you know, what's in store for the, the overall arcs. Um, and so for instance, at the start of the season, uh, the first episode was Grumpy Old Liv, and you know the idea was uh, that she was in this place where everything had kind of blown up in her face, um, literally blown up in her brother's face at the end of last season, and she was sort of persona non grata with her family, and, and Major didn't want much to do with her, uh, and so to have her uh, the brain that she was on re- be reflective of that, um, you know, was was kind of the intent there. And just a fun way to explore it while still being, while still being our show tonally, you know, while still having fun with that brain. Um, and so, and same sort of thing with uh, two seventeen. Uh, you know, everything with Drake had just kind of come to a head the previous episode, and uh, having Liv be on something where she could focus on, uh, pour all of her energies into, uh, you know, a given task or a, a series of tasks so that she didn't have to deal with, I guess, the emotional impact so much of, of losing Drake or Drake having gone missing. Um, similar to last year when uh, Lowell died, I believe at the end of um, 108, yeah. uh, the following episode, she was um, eager to, uh, uh, or happy to take on an alcoholic brain so that she could dull the pain. Right. So that's, that's kind of the... Um, Usually that's sort of the inception of, uh, you know, a given episode storyline. But like I said, it can, there, there can be just things that come up, um, that we, that we key on somehow a, a moment has, a, has arrived at that everyone responds to and, and Rob and Diane really respond to, and then we can build from there. So it doesn't always have to be the process that I describe, but that's usually kind of like if we're, if we're starting from scratch, we have a, a blank slate. Um, that's usually the kind of jumping off point for the room. So do you kind of do you guys kind of think all right this is where we want to land at the end of the season or do you want to do you kind of go maybe mid season this is where we want to land mid season how do we get there what brains we're going to put in in the middle Yeah I mean as as I recall this year at the beginning of the year we um we did have the overall this is where we want to take these characters I don't know how much we had the the end of the season or how much Rob and Diane had the end of the season mapped out um, right at right at the very beginning, I think that may have come a little bit further into the into the progression of our stories. But uh, we had a you know we have our big whiteboards in our room, and we had uh, I think the first nine episodes mapped out at least um, because we knew that's what, that's what was going to take us to the Christmas break, and so we knew we wanted to build to something fun there, and that ended up being um, an episode Diane wrote the uh, uh, superhero episode, which the title escapes me right Get now. Down. Cape Town. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I watch the show. I <laughs> oh, we do too. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, you know, having, having her, 
um, relationship with Clive sort of disintegrate at the end of that episode right. and her relationship with Major as well, um, you know, was a, a point we wanted to build to so that, you know, we had a sort of a natural break there and wanted to have a bit of a, a change in direction or a, a sort of a fresh jumping off point for episode 10. Um, but by that point, I think we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted the uh, the final few episodes to be. And we had uh, a couple of our whiteboards just covered in uh, in eight by ten cards that had big moments that we're going to see um, next week in the in the two hour finale mm-hmm. um, that were just up there forever. So we knew we knew what we were building toward and sort of laying laying the track for that. Um, you know, was a discussion every week of like which you know how how do we pace it out? How do we which which elements do we lay in to make sure that we're um, you know, our timing is right to get to those moments by the end, which is tricky. And again, um, above my pay grade. That's <laughs> <laughs> so intriguing. Just thinking about the amount of work that goes into plotting out, not just a story, but like an entire season with it, like, you know, 19 different stories, sometimes even 22 different stories, you know? Uh, right. yeah. Is there any, any sort of like batting order to the writers? Like, are there character specialists or story specialists? Or like, Oh, we'll throw this one to Bob because, uh, he likes basketball. So we'll give him love and basketball. Uh, well that did, I mean, I was assigned that episode before we decided on, on her brain, but I feel like the, um, uh, decision to go with that brain may have had a little bit to do with that fact. Um, but in general, um, I think we have so many, uh, you know, so many talented people in that room that if I was assigned an episode where uh, Liv was a synchronized swimmer, which is not a sport that I was into growing <laughs> up, uh, I would have had enough, you know, enough resources drawn to, to still make that work. Um, hopefully, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there certainly can be, I think, a little bit of an angling towards someone's strengths. Um, there are certain writers that, um, you know, are, are, I think, more uh, inclined toward or more um, what's the word more attuned to kind of the emotional side. Some writers are a little more attuned to the um, uh, sort of uh, tongue in cheek uh, fun side. And um, I, I don't know that we plan out or we don't, I don't do any of the planning, but I don't know that Rob and Diane do any of the planning of episodes based necessarily on that, but sometimes it feels like the, um, the episodes either get, uh, steered consciously or subconsciously in certain moments toward a, a given writer's strength. But the, the batting order, um, is usually kind of predetermined before we even know, uh, you know, what, uh, what brain or what case of the week, um, is going to take place in that episode. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about, uh, love and basketball and, uh, you know, I, I was wondering, I mean, Steph and I were talking about how many different movie references were in, uh, reflections this week and then i just came right. back to love and basketball and thinking about that amazing speech that live gives major I, I, was there any sort of sports movie that you were uh, referencing in that or is it just something from just uh well to be to be perfectly frank um <laughs> that speech was written by i believe by rob certainly oh. not by me um so our our process tends to be that um you know we'll submit a writer's draft and then Rob and Diane and Kit will, will go through and do some tweaks and that sort of thing. Um, and that was, I believe that was Rob. I hope I have that right. Um, and I, I, you know, he grew up playing many sports in Texas, uh, and was quite a basketball and football player himself. And so I'm assuming that kind of came from his experience there. Uh, but I can tell you that while I was writing that episode, um, while I was off on my island uh, by myself trying to execute the beats and all that, uh, I had a constant loop of like Rocky and uh, Hoosiers and all these old sports movies that I grew up watching, uh, just sort of playing as white noise in the background. Um, so there's definitely some influence there. Um, but that particular speech, uh, I, for all I know, was called from something that <laughs> Rob was told directly by one of his old coaches back in the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, you also referenced uh, Friday Night Lights and that with the clear eyes, full stomachs. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was another one I played on a loop a little bit while I was writing um, just to try and get the – I mean, if you're going to put a coach brain, uh, you know, into Lib's character, who better than Coach Taylor? Of course. (laughs) 
Um, what did you draw from to uh, uh, write Maternity Live last last season? <laughs> well, that was based on my own extensive experience being a mother. Oh, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> uh, that was, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff in that episode that, uh, uh, you know, was that I can take credit for. The, the maternal stuff uh, was really pumped up by Diane in this case, mm-hmm. uh, who has a, uh, a young um, boy who's just three now, I think. Um, so she is, you know, she knows that world a lot better than I do. So I took it, I took a stab at, at the manifestation of some of, um, those personality traits. Um, but I think the, the stuff that was sort of ringing psychologically true for, for people, um, credit goes to Diane on that. So everything else though, that's the only credit I'm going to give anyone else. Everything else is all mine. Uh, I think we can agree. Those were three of the best episodes uh, of the series so far. And I take full credit for that. <laughs> what I, uh, another thing that kind of stand, stood out to me from uh, maternity live, it was, uh, we're building on the, uh, uh, live and lol, uh, relationship, which of course gets obliterated by you cruel people. Uh, <laughs> and, uh okay. in that episode, uh, lol eats the brain of a gay man. So, uh, uh, instead of going straight from you know drinks and you know whatever to to the to the sack, like she gets to hang out and kind of be friends with him first. I thought that right. was, that was lovely. Yeah, that was a fun little montage that um, uh, I think was really played well and directed well. It was Patrick Norris that uh, directed that episode? Yeah, um, and I think that was really fun. It was. Um, I remember discussing it in the room a little bit um, and Rob saying, you know, this is going to be uh, like a, a moment where uh, we can sort of see Liv, you know, falling deeper for this guy and, and hopefully the fans as well. Uh, I don't know that, you know, in the in the beginning uh, of the whole Lowell storyline, uh, I think we always knew it was going to be a, uh, you know, a short term arc. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I don't know that they uh, that any of us really realized how much fans would love um, Bradley James as Lowell. Uh, so the the impact that that had uh, on our fans was a, I think we were maybe a little bit taken aback by that. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a, in a great way. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, it's fantastic that people um, people like that character and were so emotionally impacted by his death, uh, especially the way it went down. Um, but that, it was funny. That was a bit of a surprise. And I wonder sometimes if, um, if Rob wishes we maybe had dialed back on the two of them falling so, uh, so deeply for each other and, and fans falling for Bradley, mm-hmm. uh, given, given the outcry in the aftermath of his death. But it was such a, it was such a sort of keystone moment for Liv in this whole journey of hers, you know, that it kind of felt like it had to happen. Totally. And, you know, I don't see that as, uh, because you know you, you watched from the beginning of the season, and you know that Liv and Major are really the ones that need to be are, are the one for each other, and they're the ones that are pulled apart by this zombie thing. Right. Um, so when we heard that Liv's going to get a zombie boyfriend, I, I think everybody knew it was going to be a, a short-lived thing. But yeah, that was the thing. It was uh, um, he just was really he was really good at, at his job, <laughs> Bradley James. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I think we all thought it was going to be short-lived, though. Definitely. Yeah, I I don't know that it was um, a surprise to anyone, but certainly the way it all went down, uh, I think, was the appropriate amount of of heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great speech that uh, I think it was in episode five last year when he's he brings her the the bottle of super hot uh, sauce, yeah. and and kind of says like, "Here's the speech," and um, <laughs> and you know that that. I think sold a lot of people on him the way he delivered that was great. And the way it was written, which I think was, I think that was Deirdre Mangan's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really, it, you know, for, for anyone that was um, not buying in because of the setup we had with her and major and the sort of, uh, you know, the star cross lovers of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sold a lot of people. And then over the next few episodes, uh, he was just so charming and British. How could you resist? You know, <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, enough about him. I think uh, in Love and Basketball, you guys did, uh, or you did a great job of, uh, you know, building that relationship back up between uh, Liv and Major because uh, Major desperately needed Liv at that point. That was during his whole um, utopium um, addiction. Right. 
Right. So I thought that was just as equally uh, a well done, you know, her being there for him as a friend first, which makes them getting together so much more, you know, you know, amazing, something to root for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm curious to see, I don't even know at this point um, what the plans are going forward for them. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, <laughs> without spoiling anything, uh, if everyone survives uh, how, how that might, how that might look in season three. Yeah. Yeah. There are all sorts of yeah. different pairings that have, we've debated on the, the podcast, you know, not a major's a zombie. He can be with either uh live or Rita at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I feel like that wouldn't be a tough call for him given the way he feels. Yeah. about it. I mean, I, that, was, that was a lot of hate sex, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I am a big fan of Gilda and Rita, so uh, I wouldn't be against it. I know I, we were, we were actually talking about like, It'd be awesome. You know, obviously you don't have to confirm anything. Um, I think a, a, a feedback I wrote in and said it would be amazing if uh, Rita ends up murdering Vaughn and then taking over the company and being kind of like that enemy that they have to work with every once in a while because she's got connections <laughs> or something, you know. Uh, I do think that would be fun, and that is the only comment I can <laughs> legally subject <laughs> I, I know we talked to diane and diane was like can we get you in the writer's room just to kind of just throw things at us every once in a while i'll, I'll, be, I'll be there <laughs> holding the garbage can for you guys <laughs> um i saw on twitter that you were talking about uh you know in reflections uh steve walsh is uh an old high school basketball teammate of yours uh, he was, yeah. yeah. I tried to throw in a few of my old high school basketball teammates into uh, loving basketball, mm-hmm. and sometimes names just don't clear. Um, there's all kinds of clearance rules about names that you can use and names you can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever you name people in your first script, you you almost always can be assured that you'll have to rename them at some point. Uh, and he was his original name was Steve Stringer, uh, who is a a uh, former classmate of mine at the University of Texas who also interned with with Rob when we were all there. Uh, so we thought that was pretty funny to make Steve the um, the murdering drug dealer. Um, and then we had to change his name, and that was just one of the one of the alts that I threw out to the, uh, the clearance department. Um, I haven't heard back from from Steve what he thinks about being um, <laughs> immortalized in that way, yeah. but. Uh, it's always a, it's always a fun little like it's, that's sort of the last stage of everything, right? Like the script is done by then, you're in production or pre-production at least. Um, so that's always the last stage, but it's always a fun little game if I get to try and name things that have meaning to only me and three other people. Mm-hmm. Was there seemed to be another uh, name that was renamed, but wasn't renamed in the closed captioning? Because I'm a nerd and I throw on the closed captioning on my second view to get ready for the oh, podcast. Yeah. But uh, when Clyde was on the phone with Edward Bergen, the, the subtitle said uh, it was someone named Jocelyn Allen, I think, something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I, uh, I don't recall a Jocelyn Allen uh, in the mix at all. It might have been a closed captioning error of some sort. It's like, that's a really big, like, there's Jocelyn and, and it's male and a female. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could be misremembering, but I, I think it was always Edward in that case. <laughs> Um, so have you, have you made it up to Vancouver for any of your episodes to be shot? Oh yeah. 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 We get to go up for, uh, any episode that you're assigned to, you get to go up for, um, for a couple days of pre-production and a couple days of post-production. Um, the sort of advantage I had, I, I guess, if I want to look at it uh, optimistically is that, um, I, I, am actually a Canadian citizen mm-hmm. And so last year, around the time that I was writing Maternity Live, uh, my visa was running out. I was on a student visa at that time. Uh, and I wasn't able to secure another type of visa in order to stay. So I actually had to go home. Um, and I had worked with our producers as an assistant to all of them and to Rob when uh, the pilot was being shot and Rob was directing it. Uh, so I'd been up to Vancouver and I'd met the production team for all of that process. Uh, and they were kind enough. And, and I think it had more to do with Rob than anyone. Um, they were, they were kind enough to give me a job, uh, on the production side of things in the production office in Vancouver when I was, uh, unceremoniously kicked out of this country. Uh, so for the rest of season one, uh, I worked in, in Vancouver at North Shore Studios where the show was shot. Wow. Um, and I got to be there for my uh, entire pre-production of Maternity Live and the entire production of the episode I got to be on set for, which is uh, you know, a, a 
privilege that um, is not afforded to the writers that are visiting from LA. So that was pretty great. Um, and then this year I went up uh, for the four days that we customarily get for love and basketball, mm-hmm. uh, which was also great. So I got to see everybody again. Um, and then for two seventeen, we were uh, by that time the writers' room had had sort of wrapped as far as all the the staff writers and lower lower level people were concerned. Mm-hmm. So Rob and Diane and Kit and the assistants and um, our other producer Danielle Stockdike, they were all still working, but all the staff writers uh, were done by the end of January. And that's around the time that we were in pre production for uh, for reflections. Um, and so I just drove up. Uh, for a little vacation and got to stay for not quite the whole episode, but for a little bit longer, uh, which was great. Uh, cause again, got to see everybody, but for a little bit, a little bit more of an extended stay. Um, and also got to work again with, uh, Michael Fields, who directed 205 and has directed a bunch of, um, iZombie episodes and who is fantastic. So, uh, so that was really great. I've had some, some advantages in that way, just based on timing and, uh, unfortunate immigration issues. So, uh, I've gotten to be there for a little bit more of the mix and it's, it's an amazing team up there. Like that group of people, uh, from top to bottom are, are pretty phenomenal. Um, and they put in some really long days to, to make the show work. And it's always, I think a little more ambitious than our, um, you know, the scripts we give them are a little more ambitious than our production schedule and our budgets allow. And somehow they, uh, they always come through. So, it's it's pretty great to see that machine in action. Wow! Did you feel like did, did you end up having to cut any of anything from your your episodes at all that you can remember? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, there, uh, every episode is is going to have some things that get cut. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just the way it works in television. I don't really have uh, any other experience than on iZombie, but I, I feel like that's just the way it goes. Um, the the one scene that got cut from. Uh, 217 that I can think of off the top of my head was they go back to see Brody after um, they go see Steve at the uh, campus snack bar and he sort of points out Brody as the guy who used Bailey's ID card and um, we went back to Brody they found him at the campus pool where Bailey had been killed or Bailey had been found uh, he was he was engaged in an intramural co-ed water polo game uh, and they just had a little more of that um, that stuff, the same sort of stuff as when they saw him the first time. Uh, him sort of trying to hit on Liv and, and being upset that she wasn't the same cool bro chick that she was in in two hundred two zombie bro. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just it was sort of more of the same, and it didn't really advance the. It wasn't necessary for the case of the week, and it was just an easy lift in order to to get us uh, down to the appropriate timing. Um, but I was a little sad to see it go because it was uh, – I thought it was a pretty funny scene. I didn't get to see it shot, but um, Justin Prentice, who plays Brody, uh, is just fantastic. Um, uh, I saw them film the first scene and every take he just added a little detail um, that just made that character so much more fleshed out than it was on um, on my page anyway. Um, and so that was that was a little bit sad, but also like it just it wasn't necessary. So it um, given the the fact that we were a little bit over, it made sense that it went. Uh, and then the other thing that got cut, which I think was just a timing thing to save a few seconds, but was uh, one of the more impressive things I've seen on set <laughs> was uh, in the original. I think it's the act one opener when we come back from the first commercial break. Uh, Major is is waiting as Ravi blends up the uh, the brain and hot sauce mix for him, and it was quite a. I couldn't tell you exactly how many ounces it was, but it was you know this crushed ice gelatin whatever mix it was, and it must have been uh, you know like twenty ounces or so. Uh, and we only really had one take to do it. You know, um, Robert Buckley wasn't going to be able to continuously try to chug this thing, uh, and somehow he did it in one take. Um, and and there was a couple pauses where it felt like he you know caught his breath and then manned up and and got it down. Uh, and I was there last year when they blew up. They did the stunt where they blew up the car. Yep. yep. Um. And and I was there for this. And I feel like the the reaction on set was was equal for both. Like people were <laughs> people were that impressed by this feat. Uh, and I was a little sad for um for Buckley that he didn't get uh you know his efforts shown on camera or on the show yeah. but uh you know I think he'll be all right yeah uh, it it was it was a quick little cut at the end it was uh you know the blend right. then the drink and then he's like ah oh, that was good yeah i thought yeah. that that i thought that might have been uh cut uh a, a little bit down 
Um, so is, is there like a certain, uh, character that you, uh, really like writing for the most out of the show? Uh, so well, this is, uh, possibly going to get me in trouble, but I'll, I'll go ahead and answer. Um, (laughs) I mean, they're all, they're all fun. (laughs) Brody is the way that Diane established those guys in 202. It just made them so easy and so fun to write. Um, so I hope that, I hope that he's one of those characters that will just pop up like Johnny Frost once a, once a season, you know? Um, uh, obviously Blaine is, is fun to write for. I think everyone enjoys that. Um, he's just so deliciously evil. Uh, and David Anders is, uh, so perfect at delivering those lines that it's always fun. Even, even if you (laughs) don't write anything that's particularly genius, he's going to spin it and make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, I also really love uh, watching Jess Harmon, uh, who plays Basio. Um, she uh, she did that in two hundred five, and this wasn't my gag, but it was in the script. Um, she does that sort of miming, walking downstairs, paddling <laughs> canoe, yeah. <laughs> and you know, when we were talking about it in the room, I was like, I'm not sure if this is going to play, uh, and it could not have played better. Uh, it was so well done. Um, but you know, every, everyone, uh, on the, on the cast, I think has done a great job of, uh, of sort of showing us, um, how to write for them, you know, uh, having worked on the pilot just as an assistant and, and knowing the script when it was kind of, um, uh, I guess in the abstract, cause we hadn't cast any actors yet, uh, versus, and then seeing the process through, you know, season one and season two now, um, writing to their, uh, I don't want to say strengths because I feel like they, you know, they have many strengths outside of what we write to, but, um, you can just, you can hear their voices in your head and the things that they do with the lines we give them, um, I think really inform how you can construct their dialogue going forward. Um, and uh, you know, it's always, uh, it's always a bit of a hit or miss proposition. You never know exactly how it's going to play, uh, you know, on the day, but, um, they all do such a good job of, um, I guess their homework, you know, and, and really kind of like adding, adding more depth or more humor or just a, a little flourishes, uh, whatever they may be, these little details, I think elevate the stuff that we write so much. And, um, it, it's great. It's great to have that, like those images and those voices in your head while you're writing, uh, more and more as the show goes on. Um, cause you feel like you really know them. And I think that's, I mean, it's obviously a credit to the characters that Robin Dang created, but I think it's a credit to, um, you know, the work that the actors have done to really flesh out the sort of the details and the, and the margins, um, you know, on camera. And, and this, this latest episode had, a uh, like we said, we mentioned Brody. We also had a call back to Leslie Morgan and the eternal sunshine brain. Did you, uh, have any of that stuff like major this, his positivity stuff or Brody's lines written by like Diane, I forget who wrote eternal sunshine. Was it? Kip-off? I think eternal sunshine was Kit. Yeah. Um, and I specifically, I don't remember if any of those lines were, um, uh, you know, we certainly didn't, uh, kind of farm those characters back out to anybody, but then everybody has a hand in, um, you know, in pitching lines and pitching very specific details before the writer gets sent off to script. And then after, as I mentioned, uh, after the writer's draft comes in, there's usually a, a process of the executive producers going through scripts and, and making whatever adjustments they see fit. Um, I think the, you know, the discussion about what, what brain could major be on, uh, we landed on the eternal optimist brain pretty quickly just because it was such a contrast to, what his, his feelings had been expressed as before with regard to turning into a zombie. Um, and we kind of needed him to be in a, in a place that wasn't, um, just sort of depressed and dejected. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's always fun to watch, um, Buckley play that sort of stuff. I mean, he's so, uh, he's so dialed in with the comedy Mm -hmm. that, uh, it was just sort of a, pardon the pun, but a bit of a no brainer (laughs) as soon as we, you know, we backtrack in the room on what, what were, what were our recent brains that Liv was on that we can have, um, you know, some leftovers of, and as soon as we remembered what 214 had been, uh, it was just kind of automatic from there. Um, I always imagine like inside the, there's a, there's a fridge in the back room that it's Ravi's and it's got a big padlock on it. 
<laughs> and you open it up yeah. and like there's just a plate of all these different plates of brains with little little cards. This is like Optimus brain, uh, stripper brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that as well. I, I can imagine uh and this um isn't really giving anything away because I don't I don't know if this will ever happen, but I can imagine at some point down the road, you know, when we get to uh our inevitable season ten, that um they've started to mix the brains together and it's a, you know, it's a bit of a mad scientist lab where they get a touch of stripper brain mixed with a bit of superhero brain and that sort of thing. Um, there was a line I, I should mention that, uh, that was, uh, lifted directly from, uh, episode two twelve, which was, um, physician heal thy selfie, uh, which was written by Bisan Masood and Talia Gonzalez. Um, it was when, Blaine walks into the uh, station kind of clueless and, and Basio gives the rundown of his aliases. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to get it wrong if I try to say the line, but it was, if it isn't uh, Blaine, John De Beers, whatever, Jingleheimer Schmidt. Um, so that was their, their line that just had been cut because it was part of a, uh, a section that had been cut from two twelve. So we got that one back in there. Oh, so that, right. that happens sometimes as well, where, um, you know, anything from a, just a joke line to a, a full on sort of like C or D story mm-hmm. will get moved around from one episode to the other because we just don't have time for it in, in whatever episode it was originally intended for. Hmm. And I, I do love that in, in season two, um, it, it's definitely acknowledged more, uh, you know, now with major, but also with Blaine, it always seemed like in season one, we were seeing Liv get these personalities, but then I was, then I'd see like uh, uh, Blaine or Julian, like what brain are they on? Like, are they just constantly on evil person brain? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they'll snap like out. To, of it. <laughs> we like to dip into, excuse me. We like to dip into the specifics of those brains every once in a while, yeah. but sometimes it just feels like too, too much. Yeah, a bunch of uh, wacky too, personalities. Kind of the, yeah. Cutting up. Yeah, the brains. Exactly. yeah. And I think, you know, the overwhelming thing for those guys is, is, is their core personality anyway. Um, which, you know, is, I think in, if there was a, if you could see the world outside of what we show in the episode, uh, you know, the, this world of Seattle that everyone lives in, um, I think Liv would probably be herself a lot more, um, you know, of the time than not. Uh, I think it's the fact that she's involved in these murder investigations, at least in my mind that, you know, triggers, uh, triggers that, that sort of personality coming out of her. Right. Um, and so those guys not being involved in murder investigations, I think their, their core personalities are sort of at the fore, but it was a lot of fun having, um, Don E and chief, uh, eat the bluegrass musician brains last episode. Uh, and that was really, um, the actor's name that plays Don E is Bryce Hodgson. That was really him playing the banjo there. And I oh, wow. think it was really chief playing the washboard as well, although I, I wasn't there for that day of shooting. So I couldn't confirm. Just uh, the most craziest sight, too, just to see him playing the banjo, and there's Chief just dancing with the washboard, all these little yeah. metal things on there. Uh, yeah. That was pretty great. And I, I've seen some things on Twitter and in, in some of the reviews calling for a, a spinoff show. I think Rob even tweeted <laughs> his desire to have a spinoff show with the two of them. Uh, I would watch that in a heartbeat. You, you tweeted out something about that, actually, that the bluegrass brain was uh, due to a, a Twitter poll that Rob did. Was that was that true? Did I tweet that? Oh, no, no, no. When they were, <laughs> when they were selecting the brains, oh. uh, he says uh, there's a couple brains before that that he, Vice he doesn't. Vice principal brains. <laughs> right. And so I had, in the writer's draft, I had some things that were very specific to me in my life that, that uh, Rob rightfully thought should should probably be rewritten um because again that would have been uh you know some jokes that played to like me and three people um but yeah he i i saw on twitter that he had um he had asked something like what what would the worst brains you like you wouldn't want to be on what would they be and i don't know if i don't know if that actually resulted in um the ones that that ended up in the final script uh but i felt like uh I felt like he deserved to be called out on that a little bit yeah. <laughs> for rewriting him, <laughs> rewriting me via Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I just actually, uh, rewatched this weekend, uh, play it again, Dick. And, uh, cause oh, I, yeah. I saw that you were, you were the co-writer on that. Uh, that seemed like such a fun time to work on. Can you that was a, that? yeah, that was a great time. We were, we were already into, um, 
I don't know if we were in a production yet on iZombie, but we were certainly the writer's room had opened. So uh, at that time I was working as the writer's assistant, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a job that all writer's rooms have. And in that capacity, I had been given uh, what they call a freelance episode uh, or freelance script for maternity live. Um, So that time I wasn't actually on the writing staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, That episode was sort of a standalone thing that um, it's it's all part and parcel with how the writer's guild um, sets up uh, sets up their whole deal. Um, so anyway, I was, I was working in the room. We, we weren't on maternity live yet. I think we were on, you know, the first few episodes of the season. Uh, but it was shooting maybe 10, 15 minutes away, played again, Dick was, um, and every once in a while they would let me go over for lunch or I, I could have the afternoon off and somebody else could take notes for a while, uh, while I got to go play on that set, uh, which couldn't have been more fun. Um, and the director is uh, is Viet Nguyen, who directed um, the Magic episode this year. Um, Abracadabra. Abracadabra, yeah. Um, uh, and he's great. He's uh, another sort of mentee of Rob's from Texas, although he goes back further than I do. He was actually a high school student of Rob's uh, when Rob was a teacher in his 20s. Uh, and then Viet came out here and, and uh, you know, worked on Veronica Mars and, and is a pretty accomplished uh, indie filmmaker in his own right. But he directed all that. Uh, and I remember, uh, you know, it was such a cool thing to like, that was the first thing I'd ever written that had been produced. And it was, you know, sort of handed to me on a silver platter from Rob. And obviously he did most of the heavy lifting, but to get to see some of the things I'd written end up on, uh, you know, on that web series was pretty cool and getting to meet all these people. Cause I worked on the Veronica Mars movie as well mm-hmm. as an assistant. Um, but I never really, I was in the office most of the time. I never really got to interact with the cast that much. And I was obviously a fan of that show. So to get to work with Ryan and everybody else, uh, or to get to meet them anyway, um, during that shoot was pretty cool. And then of course I was, uh, very nervous and excited for the day that Kristen Bell showed up right. and, uh, and there was a, there was a sort of a last minute thing that we did every day where we would write, um, uh, there, there were these sort of like two camera confessionals kind of thing that would happen throughout the show. And we, we hadn't written all of those into the original script, and so whoever, whatever guest stars were coming that day, the night before, I would try to come up with something with Viet um, that would be funny for them to do in, in that sort of testimonial vein. And the one that I'd written for Kristen, um, the gag was just that uh, Ryan is pitching her other ideas for things and they're all shows that she's already been in. And uh, and it just kind of – it was a little bit redundant. It wasn't It wasn't the funniest thing ever, but as they're doing it, uh, you know, I've gotten off work from my zombie. I'm, I'm giddy to be there. Uh, I'm standing in the, in the crowd of, of, you know, set people, uh, just sort of watching this scene being rehearsed. Um, and Kristen says, uh, something to the effect of like, I'm just, I'm just sort of saying the same thing over and over again. Like, can we change one of these lines or can we drop one of these lines? Um, and so essentially is, 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 um, and she wasn't wrong. I mean, but she was, uh, telling, uh, everyone that, that my work wasn't, uh, wasn't quite up to par. Uh, and so she's asking Viet, like, and it, it's not, it wasn't in a rude way at all, but you know, this is how I was, I was taking it anyway. It was just like, Oh my God, Kristen Bell doesn't think, you know, Kristen Bell thinks I'm a hack. Um, and she's asking Viet, like, what do you think? Can we just change this line? And there was this pause and then Viet kind of turns to me and goes, Bob, what do you think? Uh, so not only, uh, like I thought the saving grace would be that, um, she didn't actually know who wrote it. So I could sort of safely hide behind people and just, (laughs) just let the storm pass. Uh, but he, he put a spotlight on me and, and that felt great. Um, but she was fantastic and, um, it was very cool to meet her and and to meet everyone else. And, you know, they were all doing it for peanuts, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how common that is. I don't know that that many other actors of that caliber would be willing to give up their time for nothing. Um, but I think they all just love, you know, anything associated with Veronica Mars and they love working with Rob. Um, and the movie had just come out. So everybody was still, you know, pretty high off that. Um, and I think everyone just loves working with Ryan Hansen as well. Um, so that couldn't have been more fun. It was such a, it was such a, you know, light breezy, jokey experience uh, that probably spoiled me for the rest of my 
career, such as it, such as it may exist. Yeah, um, and and for for Veronica Mars and I Zombie Completists, I think they're like what was it? The last episode is probably the only time you'll see Kristen Bell and Rose McIver in the same scene, <laughs> which is yeah. something we're hoping to see on iZombie eventually. But uh, We are hoping to as well. I mean, you know, I think Kristen's quite busy and in demand, yeah. um, and it was so cool that she did um, the, the uh, erotic novel reading for us. <laughs> yeah, she's got the um, number one movie at the box office this week, Beat Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yep. The right boss. Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're hoping that she will come on at some point. I think she'd totally be game for it. I certainly can't speak for her, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think if if the timing works out and we could come up with something for her, it'd be great. But it, it's also been uh, really fun for me, and I think for most people to have this parade of um, you know guest stars from Veronica Mars and Party Down. Yes. Um, and I, I hope we can get all of them as well. Uh, although, I, you know, same sort of thing. I don't know how available Adam Scott is these days or Lizzie Kaplan, but um, hey, having Ken Marino. <laughs> yeah, they're not busy. Um, but Ken Marino is in um, next week's yeah. uh, episode, and he is he brings it. Um, so that's a lot of fun and hopefully we can keep, keep dipping into that. Well, uh, as the seasons go on, God, he was hilarious when he showed up and played again, Dick too. Cause yeah, <laughs> it's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love it if we could get, uh, I mean, any of those Martin Starr, uh, who also is super busy, mm-hmm. I think would be so much fun on iZombie. Yeah, totally. Um, we had Jane Lynch give a, a little voice reading on one episode. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. it would be great if. Uh, I mean, any of them. I just, yeah, I, I would be very excited for that. Would there any, be any sort of uh, interest in uh, more more dick on the CW scene? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess I'm kind of, uh, you know, on the side of that whole yeah. uh, equation or conversation. I haven't heard anything. Um, I would love to do more. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that was super fun. Um, but I, I, I don't know that there has been any discussion between the CW and Rob on that front. Right. Um, but maybe we can start a movement. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's funny cause we, you always worry about, Oh God, is, is I zombie going to get canceled? Is, is something terrible going to happen? And, uh, it, Watching Play It Again, Dick, was a, another reminder that, um, oh, duh, Mark Pedowitz was actually uh, on Play It Again, Dick. He's he's, he's right. a fan, <laughs> you know? It seems that way, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was a fun, that was a fun scene in the, uh, in the boardroom there. Yeah. Um, it would be great. I think, uh, I, I mean, I feel like we already have a title, Play It Again, Again, Dick. <laughs> um, and I would love to do it. I just, uh, it, that is... That is out of my hands. So if we can if we can start the groundswell of support for play it again again, Dick, mm-hmm. uh, right here and now, yeah, uh, then I, I have no argument with that. Hashtag play it again ag- again, Dick. <laughs> Maybe. <I'm- laughs> uh, right. All right. Well, before we let you go, I've got to ask you, and you can tell me what you want, or just tell me everything, and uh, we'll keep it between us. I'll edit it out. <laughs> what kind of teases for next week's? Uh, well, Actually, it's in a couple of days, a two-hour season finale. Can you give us? Let's see. What can I give you? I should have prepared this in advance. Now I'm going to totally hoop myself. Um, I think uh, 218 has some uh, some big moments, mm-hmm. um, has some some stories coming to a head, and, and one in particular that I think fans have been waiting for. Um, and that's all I want to say about that. Okay. Uh, and then I think people have probably seen um, or heard of the WonderCon panel, which uh, I'm, I'm pretty much just going to regurgitate for the, the finale for 219. But it is uh, it's our it's our zombie movie. Um, you know, it's our sort of all hell breaks loose um, kind of episode, and it's action packed. Uh, there will be there will be dying. There will be deaths. Mm. Um, there will be, there will be, uh, a fair bit of action, a fair bit of, um, blood and guts, some pretty kick-ass moments. Uh, there will be the other Rob Thomas. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I will say that, um, and not that anyone's going to turn it off before the end, but it's one of those deals where you want to make sure you watch to the very last scene. Um, because I think it, uh, really tees up 
where we're going in season three nicely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm so excited for that. Uh, I heard about yeah. that in the WonderCon interviews that uh, the dichotomy right. of things kind of change and you see where they're headed. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm even more excited about that than the zombie movie aspect. I just want to, I'm looking forward to seeing what season three is and season two isn't even done yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited sort of thinking about it now too, which, you know, like I said before, Rob and Diane uh, are, are obviously the chefs in this kitchen. Yeah, so yeah. they're kind of working on the big picture stuff right now. And it's not like we are uh, as staff writers assigned to that, but it, it's it's hard not to sort of daydream about, you know, knowing knowing the seeds right now, it's hard not to daydream about how they're going to sprout. Right. Uh, and I think it's just going to get, crazier and crazier as as the seasons go on hopefully in perpetuity hopefully we'll, we'll be like the new uh was it gun smoke that was on forever one of those bonanza maybe yeah. maybe gun smoke bonanza right yeah <laughs> so i'm i'm hoping we can get into that you know 20 30 seasons territory yeah. and just well we can just get really elaborate we can aim for supernatural <laughs> yeah count for at first and then we'll shoot for the stars with the gun smoke. Right. yeah yeah, I would take that for sure. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a finale. Um, and I think it's pretty cool that they uh, that they put them back to back like that yeah. because it's it's the kind of thing where by the end of the first hour you're not you're not going to want to wait a week to see the uh, the second hour. So exactly, it always happens with those penultimate episodes before the finale. You're like, oh my, a week really? No, it's going to be right. like mere 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 seconds before the next one starts up. So yeah. Well, uh, Bob Dearden, thank you so much uh, for stopping by the iZombie podcast. Uh, well, thank you. That was a, a lot of fun. I hope I didn't babble on like an idiot too much, um, but that that's kind of what I do. <laughs> yeah, we're all fans of the show. We really appreciate it. And, uh, of course, we want, want you to make sure to give uh, Jervin a good pat on the head from us. And <laughs> I will. I will. She's our mascot. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, Robin. I appreciate it. The Zombie Podcast with Robin and Steph is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it all you like as long as you link back to us. But please do not change it or sell it or trade it for brains unless you're going to give us some. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Thank you for listening to our show. Obligatory contact information in 3, 2, 1... Go! You can follow me on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow me as well at L. Robinero. If you like what we do, check out our other podcast about the Joss Whedon show, Angel Redemption Cast. Find us at redemptioncast.blogspot.com. I also have a third podcast all about the Marvel Netflix television series, The Defenders Podcast. Find that at defenderspod.com. Like us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash iZombiePodcast. Join our Facebook discussion group, facebook.com slash groups slash iZombiePodcast. You can find those links and more on our home on the web, iZombiePodcast.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Use those delicious cerebellums and make sure you leave it on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're out. Brand Appetit!